<laughs> Welcome to Postwave. You're here with Eric and Trevor. <laughs> Today we're talking about memes again. Memes. Yeah, yeah. We're doing a follow up to our last episode and and focusing more explicitly on the alt right and how memes have and the internet in general have shaped the development of the whole alt right movement. a quick disclaimer that we're two musicians and composers who like to talk about a bunch of topics that are sometimes slightly beyond our wheelhouse if we say anything that's factually incorrect or even if you just disagree with us we really love if you send us an email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com and uh let us know so as we talked about last time a lot of memes have their origin on this image board called 4chan which is this kind of no rules pretty much form uh, that's been around, I think for, I mean, for a pretty long time in internet standards. Like it's it's not, it doesn't use any fancy algorithms like Facebook or Instagram or, or Twitter. It just kind of shows you uh, the posts and comments that are there and everything's kind of organized by, by subject. And so that's where a lot of memes get born before they kind of, uh, disperse out into other social media platforms and uh but 4chan is also kind of where the whole alt-right thing got started Mm. so the two are kind of pretty deeply intertwined i think yeah so uh do you want to go into a little bit of the history of like how how this evolved as florian kramer says in the video (laughs) yeah yeah so um we'll, we'll link to it in the in the description that um, we both watched watched this lecture by this professor at University of Rotterdam in the Netherlands, uh, and he's a professor of 21st century visual culture. Uh, his name is Florian Kramer, and he gives a pretty interesting look at at how the uh, alt right evolved out of this other movement movement that kind of went back to the 90s called uh, the neo reactionary movement, right, and this was kind of based on the work of this philosopher, Nick Land. And uh, he was famous for coining the term accelerationist, I think, and, and kind of spawning this this ideology of really, I mean, it's really bizarre, <laughs> this ideology, because he, he's his, his basic idea is that as technology develops more and we could become spacefaring, it'll naturally lead to kind of the wealthier he would say probably more intelligent you know upper classes of society leaving earth disproportionately mm-hmm. and um and you know populations of like a mars colony or uh or a colony outer space being being composed much mostly of of people from kind of the upper echelons of society mm-hmm. and his whole idea is that eventually given enough time this will create kind of like a like a superior race of of humans given enough time and enough isolation 
Wow, that sounds surprisingly exactly like uh, what monarchical societies have believed for millennia. Well, uh, what, do you, what do you mean by that? <laughs> well, you know how royal lines and stuff, they interbreed only with each other and there's the talk of like preserving the bloodlines and keeping your blood pure and stuff like that in these monarchies and so you over time get divergent speciation or, or moving towards speciation just like different genetic traits between people in the very upper crust and everyone else yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Uh, of course, in, in like real family context, it just leads to a lot of like interbreeding and often like I I think like deterioration of of mm. of like what life quality a lot of the time. But yeah. I guess yeah, if if you had a big enough population, that wouldn't happen so much. I guess. Mm-hmm. So so this concept I think is actually really interesting, um, and. It immediately where my mind jumps to is that book Seven Eves. Who's 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 that by? Uh, Neil Stevenson. Is that right? That sounds about right. Yes. But yeah, this this idea ideology is definitely super tied in with kind of uh, like like I was I was saying that the the movement's called accelerationism and that and that the the meaning behind that is kind of uh, technological accelerationism. So like kind of pushing humanity faster and faster towards like the AI singularity or some kind of mm. big technological uh, tipping point. And so that, that's kind of the focus of, of, of their thinking. So, so, so the, this, this idea though of like living in space and only there's only enough room for so many people and those particular people are going to be uh, the wealthy disproportionately and and in this uh what's the guy's name who has this theory nick land and in nick land's perspective i'm assuming there's a sort of like imperial assumption that the the well-off people got well off because they're kind of superior to everyone else is is that kind of his assumption yeah i mean i think i think part part of it plays into the fact that he thinks democracy is kind of doomed as technology progresses more and more and that eventually we'll need elites to rule us like the the leaders of tech companies or something rather than like the uneducated masses voicing their opinion yeah that ties into it i guess the idea being that things get so complicated that normal people can't keep up normal people can't make rational decisions yeah or there there are like i think this is actually like a nick bostrom thing like it's possible we could someday invent a technology that's so dangerous that it absolutely demands an authoritarian government because if it ever got into the wrong hands it would you know one person could basically end all life on earth or something like that right and if that sort of thing were to uh be invented then uh, he's saying it might be justified for the government to have kind of, you know, 24 seven surveillance on everyone. Mm. How do you feel about that? I mean, I, well, I mean, the whole question is how, how dangerous does the technology actually have to be? And I think that's a pretty, pretty high bar that mm. I don't know if you could ever cross. I mean, like, you know, I mean, if someone could manufacture like a, 
you know, a virus with like a 30% mortality rate, just, you know, given stuff they could buy at the grocery store, Hmm. like somehow, you know, if that technology becomes that, that cheap and that readily available, then like, Hmm. then I think it would maybe, you know, justify something like that. But I, I think it's very, very unlikely that'll happen because the, the people who have access to these technologies probably keep them under wraps for exactly that reason hmm. that, you know, and, and that I know of now, I mean, most of these, you know, nu- nu- nuclear weapons, bioweapons, that kind of thing. It, it, it would be really hard for anyone to get their hands on it. Hmm. If they had like bad intentions. But I guess I guess the supposition then is that if if it does become readily available, like maybe maybe it's artificial intelligence, and if someone with with their personal computer could program something that would then take over the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think some of it also goes back to this idea of of social Darwinism, hmm. which is this I think mostly discredited ideology that you know society behaves a lot like the natural world in in terms of competition and evolution and that kind of thing and mm-hmm. that you know the the quote unquote superior people will eventually win out and the point of society moving forward is for you know o- only the best people to to get ahead and and make an impact on society and and you know reproduce eventually so i think that that kind of that kind of plays into this whole like there's going to be a superior race. Hmm. Um, and also, you know, that, that, that whole idea involves, uh, eugenics. I mean, eugenics and social Darwinism, I think are, are kind of like linked. How is, uh, uh, in what way is eugenics distinct from social Darwinism? Well, I think, I think eugenics uh, is explicitly like making sure certain populations don't reproduce that kind of thing, hmm. which is like obviously really fucked up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think social Darwinism doesn't necessarily involve like rendering people infertile and stuff like that, but it's it's kind of the same line of thinking, just not so extreme. So, going back to the accelerationism thing with the uh, people living in space again, the the first thing my mind went to was Seven Eves. Mm-hmm. Can can you see why? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. So yeah. uh, Seven Eves, if, for those of you who don't know, is a book that Trevor Trevor got me hooked on back when I thought I, you got me. No, no, you, you got recommended it. it to me. No, you, you recommended it to me. Really? Yeah. What? Where did I hear about it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm certain of that. That's um, very weird. Yeah. Yeah. And so anyway, the premise of this book, right, is that the moon blows up and then they realize, shit, we've got two years to figure out how to live in space because everything on earth is going to die. Yeah. Basically the, 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 the logic being that, that the moon is going to just, what's left of the moon is going to smash itself into tinier and tinier pieces. And eventually it's going to just create like a 10,000 year firestorm Mm. on the earth that nothing on the surface will survive. Like you either have to go underground or under the ocean or in space or something. Mm Hmm. Yeah, so they elect to go into space, and uh, and it was really interesting to me about it. And there there are some spoilers here for anyone who wants to read the book. But he 
kind of had like a a pretty political approach or a politically minded view of how that would actually happen what with like vamping up the international space station and having international cooperation across like basically all of the countries with this sort of premise that representatives from each country will be sent up to to populate the space of, of course that being kind of a lie because the more dominant countries are going to make sure that their people are in there and not worry about the people who can't do anything about it um, mm-hmm. but then also that these people that are being sent into space they're all young people who are very talented right 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 because there's yeah going you know getting you know getting put on like basically a noah's ark like that or getting getting to live on mars that's like there's like a pretty high bar you have to to reach because everyone is so important totally yeah and 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 so so he kind of takes like the democratic approach that for the most part the people on earth agree to this you know all the rich and powerful they say okay yeah let's send some of the younger folks up there i don't need to live Mm-hmm. And I think there's only like two cases. There's the Elon Musk proxy who uh, flies up in his own private spacecraft and uh, shows up and like takes control and starts helping out and stuff. I right? forgot about that. I just remember that. I guess yeah, we're into spoilers now. I just remember the president. <laughs> yeah, the fucking president. <laughs> <laughs> who, yeah, who comes up to the space station like. And she's not supposed to <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and she kind of represents that politically political manipulative uh sort of identity that in my opinion probably permeates most of the people who have control in our society right now mm-hmm. yeah no, there's definitely, yeah. I, I bet reading rereading that book now would would, would I would see it in like a totally different light because mm-hmm. I read it like 2015 or something, something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you think about yeah space space colonization combined with kind of AI and eventually, you know, human computer fusion, then I think. I th- you can start to see why why people start to think this way. Hmm. Oh, it's a pretty dark. You know, it's a pretty dark, dark path to go down for sure. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, so like we said, this this kind of neo reactionary thinking uh, was was kind of the the proto alt right, and that was happening in in like the nineties. So, uh, but where the alt right really got started was on 4chan which is this image board website um and i think it's kind of known for being like the wild west of the internet because like there's no <laughs> rules about anything and it's and people are you know it, it's it's like the seed of troll culture and people will be just like massively offensive for no reason other than to be like massively offensive mm-hmm. so i like it could be easy to think this is just kind of some you know isolated secluded corner of the internet where it's just a bunch of people being edgy and it's kind of all self-contained, but 
starting you know starting later on in, in the 21st century this kind of started to to spill out into the into the real world um i actually didn't know this but the the, the group anonymous kind of took its name from 4chan mm-hmm. right um and if people don't know like if, if you post on 4chan and don't have a username it just says like anonymous whatever mm-hmm. so that uh and i think that 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 was kind of anonymous was involved in all like the wikileaks stuff that was happening a few years ago right yeah it was so that's that's the thing about anonymous too right because it's so hard to know like what is actually them and what is just people fucking around and then saying it was anonymous yeah yeah i i think part of that is this assumption that they're like a consistent group of people i i think what's so fascinating is that they're not they're just anyone who wants to be anonymous yeah yeah, and the, and they they I think they openly joke about you know crediting things to anonymous, and in reality, there's like no basis <laughs> for it. <laughs> uh-huh. Wasn't there? I feel like there was some. I can't remember now. There was something where I felt like anonymous was doing something that was kind of on the more progressive side, or like saying they would like find a, a certain person and make sure they didn't do anything bad. But I don't know what I'm. Does that sound familiar? Uh, I I don't know I don't remember the specifics but I do vaguely remember sometime what high school area era two thousand nine to two thousand thirteen maybe there was definitely a connection between anonymous and WikiLeaks. Yeah, so they're kind of like rogue, like political entity, I guess. <laughs> but but obviously the alt right is is specifically like conservative and kind of the first place this spilled out into the real world in a in like a a big way was uh when milo yiannopoulos kind of started becoming a bigger and bigger name and and you know started working at breitbart and that kind of thing and he was he was like explicitly trying to represent troll culture and the all right as it's as it kind of had spawned on on 4chan yeah who is this guy again so he was, uh, I think he, he was like a tech journalist before he got into all this stuff or something. Um, but yeah, so, so he's, he's this British guy. Um, he's gay, which makes him a little bit of a convenient mouthpiece for the alt-right, I guess, because hmm. they can, they can kind of point to him and say, oh, you know, we don't, we don't hate all the, all, you know, all, <laughs> all, we all have gay, gay friends too. Yeah. <laughs> we have a gay friend yeah <laughs> um yeah but i think as we mentioned in some episode maybe one of our intellectual dark web episodes like he's been pretty pretty awful as far as like the trans community goes and like outing people at his rallies and that kind of thing and mm. just in general being like a huge huge dick um so <laughs> can yeah. we quote you on that <laughs> <laughs> that'll, that'll be our our, uh, our promo clip for this one <laughs> <laughs> yes. yeah which is which is not un, you know unheard of that a white gay dude is is uh is being really transphobic because that happens like all the time you know mm. um even outside of of like the right and the alt right um but he he was working at so i think he kind of came out as a spokesperson on his own and own. And then he got a job at, at Breitbart, which is Steve Bannon's publication that he 
I think pretty explicitly said was was kind of to promote alt-right ideas. Mm. And this is Steve Bannon, who was an advisor kind of in, in Donald Trump's circle for a long time and probably probably still is. So why do, why do you think this, I mean, besides besides just the internet kind of being created when it when it was why, why do you think this all is happening now or was happening like you know 10 15 years ago wait you just said because <laughs> <laughs> of the internet <laughs> what do you want from me <laughs> well, what do you think i mean yeah it is that's the thing though it's it's hard to 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 like tease apart anything that's happened in kind of politics and culture for the last 20 years from the internet it's like Mm. i mean i think you know political polarization was already kind of happening Mm -hmm. you know i mean it definitely definitely with like george w bush i mean it's been a problem for for a lot of u.s history but i think since like the george bush era it, it kind of like got got more and more extreme and, mm. but, but again, that, that could, that could be due to the internet and people being in their own information bubbles, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It definitely has an amplification effect. Mm-hmm. So about the alt-right then, so, so you're saying that the alt-right became a part of mainstream culture when Milo Yiannopoulos started talking about it on platforms like Breitbart but before that how did 4chan and anonymous and stuff how did that transmute into the alt-right it's a good question (laughs) I hope I have an answer to it (laughs) okay well well so I I don't I might have mentioned this already but but on on 4chan everything is is broken down into into different uh, boards on different topics, right? Um, mm. So the the slash uh, pol board slash Paul board on on 4chan was where a lot of these these uh, kind of radical and offensive political ideas were were um, incubating, and you know when you when you get a bunch of people that are together in the same place that are that are thinking a lot of, along a lot of these similar lines. I think there's just kind of a feedback effect hmm. where they kind of, and you know, uh, a confirmation bias effect where everyone kind of deepens their own conviction in these ideas. And totally. I'm curious though, how, how do you think this environment cultivated all of these people sort of thinking along the same particular lines or what drew those people to this particular environment? I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I, I, actually have had never been on 4chan before this week i just like kind of peeked at it but um yeah how much porn did you see actually zero (laughs) really yeah i mean i i literally like looked at one i think just the r poll page just like a little bit um yeah Yeah, because the guy in the lecture was saying he like he, he he had trouble finding a screenshot that didn't have porn in it. Yeah, well, I mean, you could you could probably say the same thing about like just intensely racist like content. Because I mean, if you if you go to uh-huh. the if you go to the the R Paul page, that's like basically 
a lot of what's there. Um, right. So we started with this environment where people are anonymous and so sort of have free reign to do and say whatever they want. And I don't know, maybe that like kicked off some sort of primordial rowdy kid genes that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, now that mom and dad's out and there's no babysitter, you can do whatever the fuck you want. And so it's just like a place where they can express themselves by being horrible and uh, rambunctious and racist. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point because this, this, the whole alt right thing. I mean, there are there are, you know, older figures like Steve Bannon and and Trump, obviously, but it's mostly you know young dudes on the internet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think that the adolescence definitely plays a huge part in it because yeah the, uh, adolescents are more especially adolescent dudes are are more likely to think that they're right about everything and that everyone around them is is you know uh their thinking is just fucked and mm-hmm. um and i think you know a lot of i can imagine for a lot of people who go on there like you know none of their friends in, in real life you know would want to talk about these things or mm-hmm. have similar opinions or maybe. maybe they statistically ha- don't have any friends. Um, it's it's very yeah, it's very possible. Yeah, like I, I definitely have the impression that the kind of people who would go on 4chan are people who have been ostracized by their pe- community, and you know, I I, I don't want to say anything like I I don't want to assume any blame or anything one way or the other. Like maybe. Maybe the kid was a jerk and that's why they ostracized him, but maybe he was a jerk because his dad was abusive or or maybe he was just a normal kid and they happened to all fucking suck like happens in so many school and other sort of environments where you just have kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. And so by whatever means, this, this person became ostracized and now has this outlet, this place to express themselves and like we mentioned in our last episode, is maybe more likely having having been bullied, having had that abuse flung at them, is going to want to blow off steam by letting that same sort of abuse out on other people. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree. Yeah, and I think I think you know I think one aspect of it too is kind of the slippery slope thing. Like I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of these people don't start by like, okay, I'm going to Google 4chan and just go straight to that. Having, you know, never <laughs> seen the internet before. Uh-huh. I'm sure a lot of them, you know, started out on like Reddit or, you know, Twitter or, or something like that. That's kind of mm-hmm. more, more mainstream. And, you know, if, if you go on Reddit, you'll, you're, you inevitably see a bunch of screenshots from, from 4chan. Cause it's like a, it's like a meme in and of itself. Yeah. So like I, I bet a lot of people get drawn into it that way as well. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. And I think the other part of it too is that they have this opportunity to let out this abuse, but to them, it it's not real. It's it's just a game because it, you know it's on the internet. It's just pixels on a screen. Like maybe maybe you are trolling some real kids out, out there somewhere telling them to kill themselves because they're a fag or something and for you it's just text on a screen you don't really have a sense that that's like an actual person just because there's that physical distance mm-hmm. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's just a game. It's, it's, it's not something real. And, and that's, that's kind of what I think a lot of people misunderstand. Yeah. They misunderestimate, misunderstand. Is misunderstand a word? Misunderstand. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't think misunderstand is a word. Because <laughs> that actually mean that you, you estimated it. <laughs> Unless you're George W. Bush. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people don't understand when they talk about like, oh, these horrible, horrible people who are doing these incredibly offensive, horrible, racist, hurtful things that have real impact on real people. They they kind of gloss over or maybe just don't know that they're, these it's not real for the people who's doing it. It's, it's just like a, a, a pastime. And what's more that, like you said, it's young people, it's, it's kids, it's, it's all just kids. And then people like get all outraged about it and say, oh, look at these horrible, see, there's this racist imagery of this frog, which represents this and that. It's like, yeah, like I get it. It's, it's actually hurtful. But on the other hand, it's, it's, they, they don't know what they're doing. They're just kids. If you're enjoying what you're listening to so far and you want to support us somehow, there's lots of ways you can do that. You can go follow us on Facebook or Instagram or visit us online at postwavepodcast.com or send us a nice email at postwavepodcast at gmail.com. You can also follow us on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on pretty much everyone out there. Give us a nice review if you're on a platform that supports that or a five-star rating. Thanks for listening. So we kind of we kind of talked about Pepe the Frog a little bit, which is maybe the the alt-right meme people are most familiar with. And um, if if people don't know, like Pepe the Frog wasn't originally meant to be political at all. He was he was like a character in this online cartoon, um, and the creator has attempted to to win him back from or like reclaim him, but you know, cat, cat's kind of out of the bag through through copyright and like legal stuff. Yeah, yeah, I guess that didn't work out so well for him. <laughs> Yeah, I actually, I actually didn't know about the the copyright stuff, mm. but mm-hmm. so so this is kind of interesting because this ties into Michael Rosen, who we talked about in the first episode, where he has these videos out of himself recording these you know children's stories on YouTube, and people started chopping him up and making him say gross things and offensive things, and like making his face twist up in weird ways and at first he got all upset and he was like hey that's my my materials my copyright stuff you can't do that and he tried to get them to take it down and um of course it's, it's impossible it's it's backed up everywhere and you know people anytime a video is taken down someone would re-upload it somewhere else um and, and you know keep making content and the, the, of course, the kids who are making this kind of content 
got all up in arms when he tried to take it down, as they do. You know, free information, free spreading of information. This is art. We're doing this because we have the right to. Mm -hmm. Um, But interestingly, Michael Rosen, when, when they responded that way, Michael Rosen said, huh. Yeah, you know, they've got a fair point. This is this is under fair use. They're creating new content with my materials and so have at it, I guess. <laughs> was it was wasn't his concern kind of that that, you know, if parents or kids were looking for his stuff, they would just find a bunch mm. of like really offensive like Yeah, totally. Which is a videos. valid concern because yeah, like yeah. if if you look for Michael Rosen, you very mel- well may find videos like Michael Rosen becomes increasingly explicit where he starts talking about like rubbing syrup on his sister's nipples and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I wonder uh what what is I'm just going to look up right now what is the top youtube result for michael rosen (laughs) (laughs) oh okay well it's it's actually his stuff oh good (laughs) yeah eventually some of some of the youtube poop might might pop up in the recommendations or something looks like the like sixth result is youtube poop (laughs) (laughs) right yeah so yeah, a valid concern. But w- when he said, "Yeah, fair enough," the they kind of idolized him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he became sort of like a, a little cult hero for a lot of these internet dweebs who he coins as uh, Pennsylvania masturbators. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Even though a lot of them are from the UK. <laughs> Shows what he thinks about the US. <laughs> with, with fair reason. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah so, so people have probably heard of of Pepe the Frog, and, and we'll, we'll post a link to it, but everyone should watch the video of Richard Spencer getting punched while explaining what Pepe the Frog is. Well, I haven't seen this. Before. Okay, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, this this is this is a meme in and of itself. Uh, I hear it is. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's that's kind of cringy, actually. What? Which part is cringy? The whole thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay, um, so 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 say more say more with that. I mean, so, so he's there, like, oh, I'm, oh everything is pretty, oh, alt-right people, oh, Nazis hate me, but, you know, oh, whatever. And then uh, someone's like, oh, what's that on your shirt? And he's like, oh, it's Peppy the Frog. He's just a sort of, and then the guy punches him. And it's like, it's kind of horrible. It's like, on one hand, like, yeah, he, he doesn't, he didn't do anything. Like, maybe he's, maybe his Pepe the Frog is just the original Pepe, you know, the feels good man. Like you, you don't know for sure. He he hasn't like explained what that symbol has mean meant to him. It seems like he's about to explain, and then there's this guy who probably rightly assumes that the symbolism is something racist and runs up and punches the guy in the face, and it's just bad press. It's like it makes the windbag stuck up guy look like reasonable, and the probably left extremist whatever uh guy seem like like a raving lunatic okay yeah yeah that's really interesting because 
yeah, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, would probably disagree with that. And like, I mean, so, so I, I don't think the guy punching him was punching him because of the Pepe the Frog thing he was explaining. I think he was probably mm. punching him because he's like an avowed neo-Nazi. Is <laughs> and, he? Well, uh, I say avowed. Um, he's an avowed white supremacist, supremacist at least, and huh. has been uh, accused of being... Okay, no. He has expressed admiration for the political tactics of American Nazi Party founder George Lincoln Rockwell. Hmm. Um, and he was, you know, he was the... Uh, he was involved in that, like, uh, Charlottesville, like, white uh, alt-right uh, rally that was back in um, 2017, where I think, I think some, like, a, a counter-protester died or something. They got run over. Um, hmm. but what were they protesting? Let me, let me look this up. Um. Okay, so so the 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 rally itself, um, it was kind of along the lines of like they will not replace us. Actually, so this is a little bit of a, a, a tangent, but um, maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the da- Daily Stormer, um, later. But I actually uh like went to their website and was like poking around, and at the bottom of I think the politics page there was an actual like counter, like you know there's this many years, this many months as many days whatever until uh white people are a minority in the u.s hmm. so this is this is a pretty i think this is a pretty common talking point among the alt-right is that um like white white culture is in danger <laughs> right and so so i think that was kind of the the focus of a lot of this this rally um i, I remember they mm-hmm. will not replace this being one of the things that was that was chanted um but it was this was with like the, the tiki torches and everything and um mm. one one counter protester uh got run over by a car and, and died um so mm. someone someone who was pr- protesting against the unite the right rally mm-hmm. uh yeah super super awful okay so this guy who punched him probably had good reason to assume that he's a, a shithead <laughs> yeah i mean it's um but you know i that's this isn't the first time I've heard someone say what you just said, which is, which is yeah. like, you know, it makes, it makes us look bad. Um, it does. Yeah. But, but okay. Uh, no matter if, if he, you know, defines himself as a Nazi personally or not, but like, you know, if, if you are in the same room as like, you know, Hitler or Heinrich Himmler, or, you know, some like an actual Nazi, like, would you feel justified punching them in the face? Like someone who has actually done atrocities? Sure. Yeah, although I mean I Well well I guess okay. The, I, well okay. I don't he, I don't even wait. know necessarily not even like done atrocities, but just like was complicit like was a member of the Nazi party at the time that, that World War Two was happening. Hmm. So here's the thing. I feel like I maybe wouldn't be justified in punching them but i might be justified in killing them (laughs) okay (laughs) continue with this this uh (laughs) i think the 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 left uh has this approach i've mentioned this before 
in trying to deal with their political opposers through aggression, through putting them down, through, uh, in this case, violence, actually, um, and, and in many cases, just uh, metaphorical violence of, you know, someone disagrees with them, let's attack their character, let's put them down and say they're garbage and worthless and a horrible waste of space. Like, that that's kind of standard practice among the left rather than trying to engage with the person and debate them you attack their character and that i think is a failing that that impulse i get the urge the visceral anger the things ought to be better and i want them to be better so i'm going to try to make it different and that's that's what leads people to those extreme actions especially if they feel like they're talking to someone who they can't reason with but the problem with aggressing, uh, being an aggressor towards someone is unless you can finish them off, then that approach is bound to backfire. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I, I've definitely heard a lot of people make that argument about the left that they, you know, they attack people's character rather than trying to actually argue with them. But I, I, it's really hard for me to think of an example of where someone solely attacked someone's character and didn't also provide some kind of argument hmm. you know what i mean like it's i mean um i guess this isn't exactly that kind of thing but i, I think i mentioned this before but, you know i definitely had had some facebook friends um around you know la around last summer after the the murder of george floyd who were you know posting things like you know if, if you don't agree with me on this police brutality issue like unfollow me right now I, I can't even talk to you like you're beyond you know mm. um or yeah same, same thing with uh at various points with like you know if you're a trump supporter you know right get out i don't yeah. even I don't need you on you know on my mm. friends list or timeline or whatever um, which you know people are totally totally have the right to do i mean everyone you know everyone uses uses social media for different things so it's not like you know i don't think people should should be you know shamed for you know just not wanting certain people in their in their life but i mean i guess but then like you said people use it for different things but if if one of the things they're using it predominantly for is political discussion and then they're also cutting out the opposition from the discussion that seems like bad practice to me yeah yeah i mean um and this this is the whole criticism of of facebook especially but i think a lot of a lot of social media like you know tw twitter too um is that it creates these echo chambers right and it's mm -hmm. it's such, that's such a, like a trope now like everyone everyone knows it yeah and you know it's a lot of a lot of people sharing like memes and you know other other posts that are like presenting arguments that you know everyone in their feed will agree with basically and I, the way i see right. it it's kind of more like like providing each other ammunition mm -hmm. to like go have the arguments later you know but yeah the, the, if, if those arguments ever happen right <laughs> right <laughs> right it's, it's an interesting question whether we can create some kind of new social media platform that that kind of corrects for that that kind of thing 
Yeah, I'd be interested to hear a proposition of, of how that could even be done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's even like possible to a significant degree, but... Yeah, but so anyway, we have this video of the guy getting punched, and I, I mean, right there is an example of where the lefter party was uh, an aggressor without without attempting debate. But there is something kind of like cathartic about it, right? There like, is. Do you admit that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, there is, and 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 I don't know. I, I'm still like, I feel bad for enjoying it too because it's it's also kind of gross to have you know, like, c- considering this fact about how that that's like a, a bad rhetorical practice to physically attack people and like that's probably not ever going to help anything unless we're in a situation where by attacking your enemies and killing them you can then stand victorious <laughs> we usually we usually aren't in that situation anymore in the developed west so this is, this is what you were saying about you wouldn't feel justified punching the nazi but you would feel justified killing them yeah potentially because because don't you think this video only served to boil the blood and reaffirm all of these alt-right people in their beliefs and maybe even justify them and present them as being reasonable to members of uh, uh, conservatives outside of the alt-right to make them seem more reasonable? I mean, definitely, definitely. I mean... Yeah, pe- people are gonna kind of see what they want to see and believe what they want to believe, but I'm sure it. I'm sure it did contribute to, to some of that. Hmm. I I think it does kind of get back to the the. The question of like. I mean. This is a common criticism on on the left about like tone policing that kind of thing. Hmm. Like like how how dare you tell people to you know speak in a respectful tone and 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 not get emotional or outraged or anything um mm. uh yeah. when, when you know when the, the issue that you're talking about it, it like hits so close to home for them mm. potentially right mm-hmm. I, I think this is a slight, slightly different thing but do you, do you kind of see the see the parallel like yeah definitely like yeah for someone for someone who's whose life is actually like directly in danger from the ideas that Richard Spencer is promulgating like it, it might not seem like such a disproportionate response. Totally. And it, and I mean, it, it still goes down to even though it's an entirely justified response, it's still maybe a harmful response to your cause in the same way that like the way you go about your life, maybe you run into particular challenges and your initial response is anger and there are biological like there are cases where anger is an appropriate response like you know if you're being physically attacked and you get angry and that helps you fight them off that's mm-hmm. good but in basically every situation that we experience today anger does not help and in fact is a major roadblock in order to you actually achieving uh the desired result yeah yeah and i think 
I think I think the person I've heard talk about this who I agree with the most is probably Sean Carroll and mm. uh, theoretical physicist, but he, he talks a lot about like philosophical stuff and you know current events and that kind of thing. And I, he, his his point of view is basically like, yeah, we re- you have to acknowledge that it's hard for for a lot of people to kind of keep their anger in check on certain things mm-hmm. and we should like understand that and be uh, empathetic compassionate about it but we still have to ask that everyone like tries their hardest to not let it like seep through too much absolutely i'm uh i'm reminded of a scene from that i think 90s sitcom fresh prince fresh prince of bel-air yeah i i've I have not seen a significant amount of it, but like I know the, I know the, kind of the the deal the premise. Yeah, you have the guy who grew up in the poor urban environment, and because his mom can't afford to keep him, he sends him off to live with their their rich uh, relatives in the white neighborhood, and and this is like upper upper class white neighborhood, and this is a, a black family, and uh, it's just kind of about this black kid living in this upper crust white neighborhood and most of the time it's like funny and lighthearted but every once in a while they'll have an episode that just is like a punch to the gut that it is not funny it's it uh, reveals very real social uh problems and and one such episode was um there's i think the guy's name is carlson he's the like half brother or whatever cousin i don't know what a relative who's like the um, quote unquote Uncle Tom sort of character. He's mm-hmm. the goody two shoes, fits in with white society, young black man. Mm-hmm. And he gets pulled over by the cops. And it's this really kind of humiliating, dehumanizing experience for him. And he's all shaken. I think he ends up like getting taken into jail, you know, even though he of of course did absolutely nothing. And, you know, he's really broken up about it. And, and I think his, one, one of his parents is talking to him and, and basically, you know, gives him a talking to and says, look, I know it's not fair. I know it shouldn't be like this. And I know you feel badly about it and you have to deal with it and it it sucks and it's not fair but you have to Mm -hmm. you have to keep yourself under control you can't lash out against it wow yeah i'll have to to watch i'll have to watch that show i I, yeah like i said i haven't really seen any significant amount of it yeah so really really fascinating Mm -hmm. i should say illuminating illuminating show Mm-hmm. So I think one of the the more interesting, less known memes that I learned about while while researching for this episode was the whole um, this symbolism that people will use where they put like triple parentheses around someone's name, and it's mm. like an anti-Semitic thing, usually. Mm. Um, but I mean, I think, and we I guess we haven't really talked about it yet, but but. But obviously, there there's lots of lots of anti-Semitism within the alt right and and you know kind of online 
places like 4chan in general. And so, so that people will use these, these triple brackets to, to put around the names of people who, who they want to like target hmm. based on, you know, based on them being Jewish or, or probably other things too. It probably extends to other things, but, um, but kind the, the like weird akin to a death threat, I think. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if this is explicitly what it is going for, but it definitely seems like a target symbol to me. Hmm. Like that's kind of the image it gives me. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. It's called like what? Echo brackets. Echo brackets. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and the, yeah, I mean the, the interesting thing that I, uh, I would even thought of is that of course that can be used to like search with, hmm. right. It's like, it's, it's almost like a tag or it is a tag that, that people can use, which is, like like to find other people who are like minded so that they can yeah or just to, you know just to find people who who could potentially be be targets of anti-semitism oh interesting yeah and so this was actually uh branded a hate symbol by the anti-defamation league like that's how um mm. that's kind of how how prominent it got let me pull up the Okay, so it's it's basically just to tag someone as as being Jewish. It's not necessarily like you know saying you should do something to this person explicitly, but mm. um, and also you know if 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 you're talking about people like bankers and you don't want to say Jewish bankers, um, you can put the 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 triple parentheses around the word banker and it kind of implies that you you want to say Jewish banker but you're you're not going to type that cuz then people will know what you're talking about. Hmm. It's kind of like a code thing too. A way to be anti-semitic without showing that you're anti-semitic unless people are in the club. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and of course, I mean like like an isolated community like 4chan is going to spawn like a bunch of like you know, basically like a whole subset of language that that hmm. you kind of have to have to learn before you can actually figure out what they're saying yeah to keep lib cucks like us from penetrating their dark intrigues that's right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean this this kind of gets to uh another meme people are probably familiar with at this point but that's the whole like red pill blue pill thing yeah yeah which you know when i when i first was exposed to that meme all it referred to was like wake up you know you're you're in a you're in the matrix there you're being fed a lie but you can see the harsh truth if you want to mm-hmm. and i guess then it got co-opted by the men's right activists through the through the movie the documentary the red pill Oh yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. But yeah, it was it was originally it was originally, yeah, like a men's rights activist thing. But how and it's kind of um it's kind of based on a reaction to, to feminism, right? And it's saying that like you know, ever everyone's supposed to believe that, that women are the ones who are oppressed, but if you look at society now, men actually have it way worse and mm. uh the 
Is it also the whole like you know, uh, alpha males are actually like having all the sex, and then all the beta guys are like just getting like married, but then their their wives are se- secretly cheating on them with the the alpha males, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So so there's a lot of different groups and rhetoric all surrounding the men's right activists. Um, there's you know, d- different groups who believe different things here and different different levels of extremeness. Um, one thing that was really interesting to me about the the Red Pill move, uh, documentary, which is very central to a lot of people's understanding, is on one hand, it actually does make some very good points about uh, how there are injustices that affect men as well that are important and should be addressed as well. On the other hand, it then goes on to sort of paint feminists as the enemy, as um, <laughs> as being in the way of achieving that. And, I mean, that I think is a very dangerous supposition which is ultimately wrong and that both feminism and men's right activism are important issues that need to be addressed and can probably best be addressed by working in conjunction with each other and there are a lot of men's right activists who believe this and many who would i think also classify themselves as feminists interesting interesting i didn't i didn't know about that yeah. So like with any group there's reasonable people who are willing to have a a discussion and have like sensible thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's people who are reactionary and want to vilify some particular other group of people because it's fun or I don't know why. Mhm. I mean the the we, we all well, I think we also have to say that the the name men's rights activist is like intentionally misleading because a lot of the time they're, they're not actually concerned so much with men's rights, but with like, it's more the reaction against feminism than yeah. Yeah. The actual, actually caring about like issues that affect men. You're totally right. And in that, I think probably even the majority of people who would call themselves men's right activists are really just Mm anti-feminists. But, um, Again, there are actual men's right activists who have good points uh, and who really that that label does represent their their beliefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's some some percentage. Mm-hmm. And then you you also have uh, Mugtau or however you pronounce it. What's that? Uh, men going their own way. What is that? I mean, that that's like guys who are like, I'm I'm fed up with even trying to find a date or a relationship. I'm just gonna say screw it and and just be happy on my own. Kind kind of kind of related to the incel thing, mm. which is also a part of I think part of a lot of this. Yeah. Interesting. Incel. Do you wanna go into that a little bit? I mean we we kinda went into it on the Jordan Peterson episode, I think. Right. right? Yeah. 
um, involuntary syllabus. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, th- this is. Uh, I-, I think it's. I think it's. It's kind of tied in with the the red pill blue pill thing. Um, and it's. I mean, it's also like there's there's an asymmetry with with dating and 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 gender where like you know guys in general have to try way way harder to get at least you know if we're just talking about like sex on its own mm-hmm. like guys have to try way harder to for that to mm-hmm. happen than than women do in general um mm-hmm. women are more selective with their mates generally yeah cuz cuz they cuz they can be yeah <laughs> <laughs> um oh. Yeah, of course. Of course, the of course the reality of that gets gets way distorted by by incels and and men's rights activists. I think um, totally blown out of proportion. So, uh, with that in regard to the red pill, there's what uh, what you were talking about before the, this concept of like alpha and beta males, and that these horrible women generally go around uh, marrying a beta male and then having sex with alpha males behind their back and then raising uh, for, forcing the, the beta male to rear the offspring of the alpha male mm-hmm. and hence the word cuck mm-hmm. cuckold um, and this was presented in the red pill this sort of situation by you know like an actual news story of when this actually happened to some guy and like he found out years later and you know lawsuits and stuff and but the problem with it is that the way they presented it in the red pill is as if it's a systemic problem supported by our legislature and that like there's this big injustice that needs to be fixed and and i think the reality of the situation is this just something that happens on occasion it's like there are always going to be some shitty people who will take advantage of you, of those around them. And so every once in a while, this injustice is going to happen. And I don't really know if there's a way you can prevent that societally. Yeah. I mean, th- yeah, I mean, that's impossible unless you have like a super authoritarian government. By the way, this interpretation, my, my understanding of the red pill is derived from a YouTube video by a guy named Big Joel who goes pretty well in depth exploring the ideas of the red pill and how they are uh, correctly and incorrectly misrepresenting the the true nature of men's rights activism. Interesting. Interesting. I'll have to look that up. Okay, I just have like maybe two other things to talk about, but I'm not sure they really fit or not. Oh, let's just talk about it. Maybe we'll splice them in. Okay, so just like two, two other examples of of where this kind of culture has has spilled out into the real world. Um, mm. So, do you remember the the GamerGate thing that happened? <laughs> I I I didn't know anything about it. I all I know about it is from Florian Kramer's description of what happened. Can you go over that again, real briefly? Yeah. So I, it's a big, complicated thing, I think, but the the main thing I remembered from it, and I think the, the biggest kind of uh, controversy about it, this is, this is like the central thing. So there was this journalist, um, Anita Sarkeesian, who 
like as a video video gamer herself and either wrote something or, or posted some videos you know pointing out how there's lots of these these sexist tropes in video games hmm. you know like you know female characters having armor that that does you know like <laughs> bikini armor yeah like obviously is not you know designed to protect it's it's just supposed to be sexy or whatever um and you know like like sexual violence being used in games to make them them edgy that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and and she got just mobbed by this online group by you know not, not like centralized i don't think but um i think got doxxed and she was receiving like death threats and that kind of thing and she had to cancel all her like speaking tours that she was doing to to various campuses Mm. and yeah but that that was that was that was kind of another extension of of this online 4chan alt-right culture Mm -hmm. and i thought that was i thought that was interesting a little bit because when you think of someone having to cancel speaking engagements at colleges you usually think of like conservatives getting deplatformed at at colleges right right so i don't know it's 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 interesting that it kind of went the other way yeah that she had to cancel i guess cancel because of the death threats yeah i think like bombing threats literally Mm. Wow. Which is, is, is so painful too, because it's like you're ninety five percent sure that it's just some fucking kid on four chan who's making shit up. It's mm-hmm. like it, there's there's definitely no bomb, but then you know there might be like that, that's that's a serious thing. You can't you can't ignore it, even though you're. Even even if you're absolutely almost sure that it's fake. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't think. Well, I mean, sure. I, I I guess a lot a lot of the threats were were empty. You know, they they wouldn't have followed through with them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's still pretty messed up. Like it is. I mean, because because you know, the the damage wouldn't just be from the like succeeding in one of those attempts it would be just kind of the psychological terror that it inflicts on someone you know yeah it's kind of sad how how threatened i think a lot of people felt by anita sarkeesian you know i've seen like a small amount of her materials and you know it's like yeah she's kind of aggressive about pointing out these things and maybe some people would even say overzealous but you know it's just kind of part of her her shtick you know be rambunctious about it and stir up controversy so that your idea gets disseminated more effectively yeah i mean i don't know if that was her explicit goal or not I, I doubt she, it. I doubt explicit. <laughs> like I, I don't. I don't know whether. Yeah, I, I, I doubt she was thinking like, okay, how can I stir up like as much controversy 
around no 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 and I, I definitely wouldn't say that her receiving death threats or anything is her trying to stir up controversy right in the slightest bit but just that it's kind of sad how these people just just from her content of you know being a little bit edgy got so threatened and uh butthurt about it that they're gonna actually you know threaten to kill someone in real life mm -hmm. right. and again it makes me think there's definitely a disconnect there there are these these kids who um feel like what they're doing isn't real it's just it's just a game and they these are kids who you know they they don't feel like they have been loved in their lives i think they don't feel like they are deserving of kindness and so they think probably the world isn't deserving of kindness mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and of course like nihilism is a really easy thing to fall into when you're when you're like a young you know young dude who wants to be edgy and and feel like you know everything mm -hmm. i think also that sense of feeling unlovable and unloved is a lot of the same motivation um in in this sense not only just against like the gamergate stuff but against feminism in general and as a driving force for a lot of people who would call themselves men's rights activists um, because there's kind of I don't know, especially like with the incels and what was the other corollary to incels you were saying? Oh, men going their own way. Yeah, especially with those kind of people. It's kind of like they, I think there's a sensation that if only they could get laid, if only they could have physical intimacy, like touch even, I think, then they could be happy and they they have this physical need that is you know very driving very persistent and it's not being met and regardless of the whole like get it, being a better person being a better potential mate pulling yourself up by the bootstraps jordan peterson's motivational sort of stuff there's a, a sensation that you know if only a woman were to show me compassion then all would be well mm -hmm. and then their experience is time and time again every woman in their life does not show them that compassion does not i mean probably rightly so sees red flags keeps their distance and so they get the sense that's like you you don't care about me you don't care about me even enough to assuage like like if i were on fire you wouldn't piss on me to put put it out <laughs> like i i feel like there's a very visceral like they feel that in their soul and that probably drives a lot of the animosity towards feminism yeah yeah i'm, I'm sure yeah i'm sure pent-up sexual frustration has a huge role to play in all mm -hmm. this kind of uh alt-right internet subculture stuff i feel like i keep mentioning this is a bunch of young dudes but <laughs> that's also where you find a bunch of like 
pent up, you know, sexual frustration in general. Definitely. And that's where you get people like Jordan Peterson advocating for quote unquote enforced monogamy, which is, you know, the, the concept of having social structures that encourage people to date mon monogamously because if you don't Jordan Peterson would say then you have a situation where the minority of very attractive men get to date all the women and then all of the like decent guys get left alone mm -hmm. I mean that's <laughs> that, that is assuming that all of the good-looking guys are not decent and that the decent guys are entirely in the the non super attractive <laughs> category <laughs> yeah or, or, or okay let me rephrase like maybe maybe the super attractive guys are also decent mm -hmm. but um then and they're getting laid all the time but then there's this still this huge populace of like kind of okay attractive like run-of-the-mill decent sort of guys who are in the situation where they feel like they're on fire and no one's gonna, no one's gonna deign to look at them in in order to put them out. Mm -hmm. I, I can definitely see how that sort of social environment could cause a real problem and could cause this horrible animosity that results in death threats and rape threats and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're kind of taking like the most intense drives that people can feel and putting them into this like online concentrating machine that just kind of reinforces all the all the beliefs and all all these all these kinds of drives and Yeah, right. Concentrating but also distancing, right? It's like you can't touch someone over the internet. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's kind of like you have to make it more extreme because you're not getting like the real thing. Mm -hmm. You know, to to like feel like you have any, to feel like you're having any effect at all, you have to just be like super, like offensive and extreme and and right because you're totally desensitized to anything less than that. Yeah. <laughs> 